Well, Christmas indeed is a special time of the year. We are so glad you're here. If you're watching online, honored to have you. I'd like to recognize a special friend uh, today, Jameson Titus. Jameson, why don't you stand? Jameson is the, is the director of Christ for India Ministries. They have one of the largest evangelical Christian works in the entire nation of India. Uh, they were the first Church on the Rock missionary with his dad many, many years ago. And uh, today they have in their network a, a Bible training school that trains hundreds of people. They feed hundreds of children on the campus every day. They have a network of over 300 churches in the nation of India. And uh, through your giving, we support them $500 a month and buy things. We've bought buses and, and other things for them over the years. But it's an honor. And I hope after church today, you'll reach out to him and let him know how, how, how privileged we are to share with him in the ministry. Well, Christmas is indeed a special time. Yeah, a special time of the year. I got just a couple photos here. Proud, proud grandfather. I'm Pops, by the way. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, anyway, so Mia is on the left. Now, she's five months old. And I don't know what you know about Christmas at five. She can barely hold her little bottle, so I doubt she'll open many presents, but it's, it's probably a, a bit of a blur. Now, these two guys here, they're a little over four and two, and I know they know what Christmas is all about. Uh, they were here Thanksgiving at our home, and uh, they begged Lonnie to set up the Christmas tree, which we did. And Henry put up about two ornaments and said, where's the presents? And Lonnie said, we hadn't bought any yet, and he quit hanging up ornaments. So... He knows, but, but I, want, I want to shift just a little bit, and I want to talk about seeing Christmas through different eyes, what we see when we see this Christmas experience. For these two little boys, I guarantee you, next picture, they see what's on the left. They see Santa. They have visions of fireplaces and cookies and presents, but this on the right, the UPS truck, that's what mom and dad see through their eyes at Christmas. <laughs> And mom and dad also know that that UPS guy will probably have to deliver the credit card bill next go-round. It'll be so big. But uh, uh, my phrase, the eyes of Christmas, is very deliberate today because we're going to go back and look at the historical account of Christmas. We're going to look first at the prediction of Christmas by an angel to Mary. Then we'll look at two separate accounts, one in Matthew and one in Luke, uh, about the, I don't like the Christmas story. It's the Christmas historical account of the birth of Christ. But I want to look at Christmas, this first Christmas, through the eyes of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I want to look at Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. And see Christmas as he saw it. And then I want to look at Christmas through the eyes of the innkeeper. I'll explain that in more depth and perhaps just a little bit through the eyes of the shepherd. And uh, I've called this Christmas eyes. And uh, today we gather to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Come on, give him a big hand today. He is why we're here. Let's begin Christmas through the eyes of Mary, and there's a question that we'll address, why me? Uh, first, I want to show you a little funny meme somebody sent me on Facebook, and my wife said she could convey it better than me. But it's a picture of Mary and Joseph uh, at the inn, uh, and they can't find a place to stay. It is the history of the true uh, version of Silent Night. <laughs> Mary, don't be mad. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. Talk to me, Mary. Mary, Mary. I'm fine. That's how Silent Night began. 
Okay, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. God sent the angel Gabriel. I literally believe that. I literally believe that angels exist, that God is real. I literally believe there's a, a literal devil, there's demons. But they had nothing to do with this great day. God sent the angel Gabriel, and this is the prediction. He sent her to a virgin named Mary, and she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. And listen, the Lord is with you. And we're going to ask later why her, of the hundreds or thousands of potential young girls that could have been the mother of Christ, why her? The Lord is with you. She was confused and disturbed. She tried to think what the angel could mean. And the angel said, Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Now, this Greek word favor, it's related to the Greek word charis, which means grace or special honor. Mary, you have found special honor with God. Verse 31. Now, I want you to listen to five predictions that the angel made about Jesus. You'll conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. And the first thing the angel said, you'll be very great. Now, if there's an understatement in the Bible, that's it. How many can agree and say Jesus is, is uh, without a doubt, the greatest person who ever lived? You disagree a little bit. Let me ask you, whose birth is time separated by? Now, today in secular America, it's called CE, the common era, and BCE, but the common era. But historically, it was called BC before Christ and AD in the year of our Lord. Who else has separated time? Who else built the foundation of Western civilization. If you look in the Sermon on the Mount, you will find the basic principles that Western civilization was built, uh, whether it's marriage, whether it's a recognition of, of a God-ordained gender identity, uh, uh, of honesty, of work ethic, of all these things. It began in the teaching of Jesus. Now today we're being forced or trying to be forced upon us a woke culture that's trying to undo the past uh, 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 foundations of our nation. The only problem is they don't tell us what they want to replace it with. So I'm against it. I'm with the foundations that America has known that were biblically based. Um, but the, second, the third thing he said is, oh, I'm sorry, the second thing, you'll be called the son of the most high. Now, the Most High is a name for God, God Almighty. And literally what this passage is saying is, this child will be God. This child will be the carbon copy of God. This child uh, will be divine. Some religions teach that Jesus was a prophet. He was a good man. He was a good teacher. But the Bible teaches that Jesus himself was God. God left heaven, came to earth, and born of a virgin. Uh, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. This speaks of Jesus as the king. How I many know the Bible says Jesus is going to be, is the king of kings and lord of lords, and to him every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. If you look in the first verse, the opening verse of Matthew, you'll find in the genealogy of Jesus, it begins with David. So there is this deliberate line of people that God knew from David all the way to Joseph and Mary and all those that would watch over Jesus. Uh, this is how he would be descended. The fourth thing, Jesus uh, is, uh, is Israel's true king. It said he will reign over Israel forever. 
It reminds us that Jesus is not only the king of the world, but specifically he was the king of the Jews. Remember when he was crucified? What did Pilate tack over his head? King of the Jews. And it also reminds us of the, of the place that the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, have in last day's prophecy. But lastly it says, his kingdom will never end. Now, that's probably the most exciting thing to me because what you and I as Christian people, followers of Christ, we're a part of something that's going to be eternal. We're going to have a little while on this earth, but then we're going to have eternity where all the pain and problems are gone. We'll be with the Lord forever. And you may not believe that today, friends, but I can assure you this. When you face the portal of death or someone you love deeply faces the portal of death, you will desire for life. You will desire for them to stay with you, to live and to go on. That's how we were created. Only Jesus can offer this promise of eternal life. Now look at verse 31. Or I'm sorry, verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? There's kind of an excitement in her voice. I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's no hint of what we would call sexual intercourse today. Somehow, supernaturally and sovereignly, just like God created the heavens and the earth, just like God created the animals, God caused Christ, the Christ child, the seed uh, uh, of Christ to be planted in the, in the woman's womb. Uh, the baby will be holy set apart to God. That's interesting. You see, in a moment we'll learn about the reason that Jesus would come is to save us from our sins. Well, there's many religions on the planet, many religions with good teachings, arguably, but no one deals with sin the way the Christian religion through Jesus Christ does. You see, God has a standard, and God's standard is holiness. We have fallen, we have sinned, and we need an atonement. We need a covering. We need somebody to pay the price that we can't pray for sin because heaven and hell are real. This is what Jesus did. He's holy. He lived a perfect life. He'll be called the Son of God. And then this incredible statement. Now, we're going to shift in a moment. This has been historical background up to this point. We're going to get very practical and personal. Nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, I am, listen to this, the, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, this idea that Jesus was born of a virgin was not a new idea. It was prophesied by Isaiah and recorded. Isaiah 7, 14, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's it say? The the virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to his son, and he'll be called Emmanuel, or God with us. If you're skeptical of the claims of Christianity, I can think of no better way than convincing you than if you would do a, 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 an honest study of the prophecies that were fulfilled about Christ, spoken hundreds of years before his birth, but happened and unfolded in his lifetime. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1948, a shepherd, Bedouin shepherd boy, throwing rocks in caves, and he heard a, a sound, a breakage. He went inside, and he found clay jars, and it was arguably the greatest archaeological discovery, uh, certainly in, in the last hundred years, well, it's more than well, the last hundred years. Uh, they found these scrolls, and when they found the scroll of Isaiah, they compared it to the best of modern-day scrolls of Isaiah today, and they found it virtually identical, that there's something about the Word of God that, that rings true. Now, here's the application to us. Remember Mary's question, why me? Or I'd pose it this way, why did God choose Mary? 
of all the hundreds or thousands of young women there, why marry? And what can we do for God to use us in a special way? You see, there's a desire in the heart of every person <laughs> that God would use my life. That God would take what I do, whether I'm a business person, whether I'm a housewife or retiree, whoever I am and whatever I do, whether I make tires for a living or whether I pull teeth for a living, there's this desire that I want my life to make a difference. I want God to be able to use me. I want my life to have mattered. I want to have done more with my life than built a nice house and had a nice car and got some money that I'm going to give it to my kids and the guy that's going to marry my wife. I, 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 I want more than that. What can we learn from Mary? And I want to suggest there's three things that you and I can apply. And the first one is her purity. Remember when it said she was a virgin? Now, that's sexual purity before and after marriage, but that's not popular in our world today. That's the starting place is to choose the path of God's purity. But sexual purity was a part of a greater idea of holiness. Holiness doesn't mean that you're a monk and live in a monastery or whether you go to a high church and wear a robe. Holiness means the way you live, that you live set apart to God, that your character is godly. You're set apart to God and away from sin. In other words, you try to follow God. You try to mirror his life. You try to do those things that make him happy. And Mary certainly did. But here's the next one. Mary had the heart of a servant. Now, uh, remember when she said, I'm the servant of the Lord? Literally, she used the, the Greek word that's used there is the word doule. It means I'm the slave of God. Now, when we th think of slavery, it has a very negative connotation in our world today that one man or one woman would serve someone else. Uh, I'm, I, I'm totally against the modern-day slavery of selling uh, particularly girls, but even boys, into the sex trade industry. That's modern slavery today. But to be a slave of God is not like that. God is not a user. God offers us the, the opportunity to be a partner with him. That is, he, what he has done for us, the chance to serve him, the chance to follow in his footsteps. And what Mary basically said is Mary said, God, I'm submitted to your will and your plan for my life. What a wonderful way. Listen, the New Year's right around the corner. What a wonderful way to start to say, Lord, I'm submitted to your plan. I'm submitted to your will. That was the second thing. The third thing, Mary had faith to believe for the impossible. You remember that scripture, nothing's impossible with God? Well, now, a virgin can have a baby today through in vitro fertilization. But in their day, no way, Jose. I mean, you, 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 if you wanted to get pregnant, you had to sleep with a man. That was the way that, you know, uh, that God designed it. But Mary tended to believe that, that, that God could do something that was illogical, that she didn't have the ability or the resources. And here's what I want to tell you about this. Faith in God and his word can open the door for the miraculous. And our world is desperately in need of a move of God's spirit. Our world is desperately in need of men and women who will do more than we can do in our natural ability, but seek the supernatural power of God. Well, Mary believed that she knew faith was a part of it. But before I leave Mary, I want to say this. Most of us are not like Mary. Now, we want to be, but particularly when we look back on our lives, I don't know about you, but I was just a wild heathen for a few years, 17, 18, 19. Any other heathens in the room today in your past life? How about any heathens in your current life? Wave your hand at me here. Anybody? Okay. Just checking, just checking, just checking. We'll, we'll help you at the end of service. But here's what I know. 
is because of our past, the devil wants to beat us up and condemn us and torture us with shame and make us feel like we're not worthy of God. We're certainly not worthy to be used by God. Can I tell you, it's the devil's trap. I, I, I did something in my late teenage years. I don't want to say it publicly, but I, I didn't tell a soul for 20 years. I was so ashamed and, and, and subconscious. Now, I knew in my head God would forgive me, but I felt this need to punish myself. I felt like I'm not worthy for God to recognize me or use me. Can I tell you, that is the devil's trap. Now listen to this, what Paul said. Paul now, the greatest apostle that ever lived at one time before he was converted, killed Christians. And Paul said this, and as he writes in 1 Timothy, in the past I spoke against Christ, I persecuted him, but God showed me, mercy. say it again, mercy. God was kind to me when I didn't deserve it. Why? Verse 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. And I want to suggest to you, that is true for you and that is true for me. Whatever level of sin we might have had in our past, God came to save us, which means God came to wipe the stench of the past away. Though our sins be as scarlet, he makes them as white as snow. And there's a, Actually, I would like to pray for you right now. If you're here today, I want you to just bow your heads just a moment because I want many of you just to receive an impartation of grace. If you're here today and say, Pastor... I'm often beaten up by shame and condemnation. I feel shame for my past life, and it's, it seems like it tracks me down, and I, I want to let it go, and I want to receive the forgiveness of God today. Would you just slip up your hand just a moment? I want to pray for you. Yeah, all over the building, nobody's business. Can I tell you, I want you to just keep your eyes closed just a minute, and let me just tell you a couple things. Number one, the devil is lying to you. Jesus came to forgive, and his forgiveness is like erasing an old-timey blackboard. When it's gone, you can't pull it away. You can't recreate it. And there's a scripture I want to speak over you now. It's 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful, say it with me, and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I just declare over you today that that power of shame and condemnation is broken in the name of Jesus. I just declare over to you today the forgiving and cleansing power of Christ is your portion in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. Now, you write that scripture down, those of you that responded to that. 1 John 1, 9, that's how you fight back the lie and the feeling. How many know feelings cannot be trusted sometimes? Let's move along. Number two, Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. And this is a particular point that we'll make in just a moment. Sometimes the path God wants us to follow is hard. Now, let's read Matthew. Uh, this is a, an account of Christmas morning, first one. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was, now listen to this phrase, engaged to be married. We're going to come back to that, to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. Joseph was a a righteous man. Maybe that's why God chose him to be the stepfather of, of Jesus. Righteous simply means, first of all, that God makes me righteous by the blood of Christ, but then I live a righteous, God-fearing life. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
Now, let's explore this a minute. I learned something when I was studying this. Perhaps it'll be enlightening to you. Jewish marriages were arranged by parents. In other words, you didn't just put on your best dress and go out and find a man. Mom and dad were involved in the process. And when the two moms and dads liked the deal, literally a contract was drawn up. There was an agreement that was made, and the agreement would include the dowry and other things like that. But uh, at that point in time, they were called husband and wife. But the only problem was they didn't live together for a year. They took what was called in the Jewish life a pledge of purity, which means he lived with his parents and she lived with hers. And if during that year, if, if she had, been, uh, had sex with someone, the marriage could be annulled. In other words, the marriage could just be written off. Uh, but if they survived, in other words, if, if she's not pregnant, uh, a joyous thing happens a year after. The husband gets all his family and friends in the neighborhood, and they form this parade, and they go over to the bride's house with her parents, and he takes his bride, and then the parade leads them back to where he's going to live, and there's this huge celebration. Now, that's the way. But Mary and Joseph were in this one-year waiting period when Mary got pregnant. Now, remember when it said that he was wanting to divorce her quietly? Now, he loved her. Because you do, you do realize that uh, if uh, someone else gets a guy's girl pregnant, he's not very happy about it. His little ego is about that big, and, and, and he can't handle it. It, it. He'll do all sorts of things. But Joseph's love seemed greater than his ego and, uh, because he could have brought her before the judges. And there was a literal law, it's hard for us to understand, but a literal law that said if you were caught in the act of adultery, you could be stoned to death. I mean, it was that big a deal in their culture today. But Joseph didn't do that. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you think Joseph felt when he found out? Now, I don't know how Mary told him, but maybe she did this. Maybe she just says this is a giddy little 16, 17-year-old girl, and she told him after the angel, Joseph, 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 you'll never guess what happened. I'm so excited. I'm just so excited. I can't stand it. What is it? What is it? What is it? I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe she realized his ego, and she said, Joseph. Honey, sweet Joseph, you know I love you, and you're the only man in my life, don't you? Honey, sweet, loving Joseph. Joseph, I've got something to tell you, and you might not understand it. Joseph, would you just sit down just a moment? Joseph, I'm pregnant. And he leaps up. Who's the daddy? And he might have even cussed a little bit and said, who's the blank daddy? I don't know. I don't know what happened, but all I know, you got a man that's engaged to a woman and everybody in the community knows about it and she's pregnant. Joseph knew and was about to find out the will of God. Look at verse 20. And aren't you glad God doesn't leave you in a place like that? God's always going to come to you and help you know what to do. Well, he considered it, verse 20, while he was thinking about what he should do. An angel appeared to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She'll have a son. You'll name him Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. So now just as the angel told Mary, Mary realized 
this man is going to be the Messiah. This man was prophesied to Nathan, uh, Nathan the prophet prophesied to Daniel about his eternal kingdom. Ma Mary realized the Messiah, and now Joseph realizes he's going to parent the Messiah. All of this, verse 22, occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Here's Isaiah 7, 14. 700 years earlier, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son. They'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And verse 24 is where we're going to focus. Joseph did as the angel commanded and took Mary as his wife, which means he violated all the custom. Now, you can guarantee you, Mary's wife, Mary's mom, probably had this processional all planned out. You know, just like today, the grooms, you know, the, somebody plans the wedding and all these things. And gonna, they had this processional all planned out. Who's going to wear what and the food? Joseph ignored the custom. He took Mary into his home to care for her. It's like he knew God's will, so he continued in the marriage, even though it was hard. That's easy for us to sit here and say, well, gosh, if an angel appeared to me, I'd do what that angel said. Would you do it when the whole town was laughing at you? Would you do it when your wife was, was starting to show a little bit and the word was out that it was not your baby and people would laugh about you behind your back? They would make fun of you. They would talk bad about you, and they would walk by Joseph when he would go by his old buddies that were shooting hoops, and they would all say, who's your daddy? Now, we're laughing, but I'm, what I'm telling you is this man faced an enormous pressure to do God's will. Now, here's the application. When we look at Christmas through Joseph's eyes, sometimes the path God wants us to follow is hard. Sometimes when we do what God wants us to do, it is not easy. Sometimes when we're following the Lord, listen, the Bible says it's appointed unto us not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his name. Well, let's say if, you're, if your uh, spouse uh, has gone crazy and said they want a divorce and they don't want to be with you anymore and they're sleeping around, they're fooling around, they're going crazy and you're ready to get rid of them and you pray about it and God says, I want you to stay with them and continue to love them as Christ loved the church. Now, you legitimately have a biblical out if there's immorality, but just because you have it doesn't mean you should take it. Because if that's God's will for you, Maybe I remember a testimony of a, a Jeannie Gothard shared. She said, I had all my money saved up that I'd been saving for this special thing, thousands of dollars. And when the church started to move in the new building, I felt the Lord tell me to give that money. Well, I mean, it's not always easy to follow the Lord. Now, her testimony today is, is God has multiplied the money back to her and she and her husband are doing better than they've ever done. But, but Joseph tells us is serving the Lord is sometimes hard. But let me also tell you what I believe you would say. Romans 8, 18. Say this with me. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he'll reveal later to us. So what would Joseph tell us? When life's hard, don't quit. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. Let's look at the last one, Christmas through the eyes of the innkeeper. And the key phrase here is missed opportunity. Now, I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to let me speculate just a little bit. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Luke chapter 2, the, this Luke's account of the birth of Christ, 
Augustus Caesar, he was the Roman emperor, the most powerful man in all the world at the time. He sent an order that all people in all the countries under Roman rule must list their names in a register. In other words, must go to their hometown and be taxed. Or, or the registration was for taxation. The most powerful man in the world was a pawn in the hand of God. Joseph left Nazareth and he went to the town of Bethlehem. And you say, well, what a, what a, what a stroke of luck. What a coincidence. What an accident. Micah 5.2, if they can put that on the screen. Micah was a prophet 700 or so years before Christ was born. And Micah prophesied what Augustus Caesar would do. Micah said this, you Bethlehem, you're too little among the clans of Judah. In other words, a small city whose comings forth is from old, from ancient days. Keep, let's keep going. Um, I don't have this written down. Go backwards then, because we missed it. You Bethlehem, who are too little, the town of Bethlehem among the clans of Judah... For from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel. This is speaking of Jesus. Whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Other translations say from everlasting. So here you've got a man prophesying the town Jesus would be born in and how God used this powerful man to get him there. So verse 5, Joseph registers with Mary to whom he was engaged and now pregnant. And while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby and give birth to her son. Now, here's the word we're going to look at. But there were no rooms left in the inn. The NIV says there's no guest room. So she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough. Have you seen mangers around town, around different buildings? We've got some pictures of ones here. They're all sterile. They look so nice. They look so clean. They look like somebody plugged in one of those little glade uh, scenties, you know. You plug in the wall. And that little manger's just smelling nice. But in animal trough, now, listen, I was raised around animals as a kid. We raised cows, and, 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 and we put those cows in the barn for some reason, or calves, and we had a trough built out of wood that was there. We'd put grain in it or hay in it, and those old cows, they would just kind of turn around to the trough every once in a while, and they wouldn't care, and they would just go to the bathroom in the trough. And then we'd come in. We wouldn't scour it down. We didn't use Clorox. We just threw some extra hay on it, and they would eat the hay that was good and leave that which was polluted there. And then, I mean, that's kind of the way that it was. That's where the Son of God laid his head. That's what the world thought of him. Now, now let's talk a little bit more. There's no room in the inn. Here's where the question is, where I'll speculate just a bit, because we're not certain what the inn was. There was a custom in their day that, that literally strangers would let people stay with them. Now, in other words, can you imagine someone knocking on your door today and say, Hi, I'm John, my wife Linnell here. Uh, Linnell's pregnant. Uh, could we spend the night in your house? And most of the time, their custom was to take people in. But they also had a place, it was likely a, a, a lodging place for caravans. Could have been the only place in town. And think of it this way. Imagine there's like a, like a, uh, uh, oh shoot, a store that's got, you know, a storefront. What's it called? Um, oh, heck, I've said it in two services. I can't think of it now. Huh? Yeah, strip mall. Imagine a strip mall, but it's a little bit smaller, and it doesn't have doors and windows on the front or walls. It's all open. 
And they would bring these, these caravans would bring them and they'd bring their camels in there and whatever they had with them, they'd cook their food. There could have been someone selling things there. But, but whatever the place to stay was, somebody knows about it. Somebody's in charge. You've got to believe that Joseph would do, would knock on people's doors and say, could, I, could my wife stay with you? She's about to have a baby. But with the picture I want you to see, whether it was an innkeeper or the guy that oversaw all the camels or everything, there were a lot of people that told Joseph, no. There were a lot of people that said, there's not a place for you. Um, tradition tells us that Mary was perhaps born in a cave, or Jesus was born in a cave that was near the inn. Here's a picture of the church of the nativity. Uh, this is in Bethlehem. It's a literal church today that's built over a cave. And they believe that's where Christ was born. Now, it's very ornate on the outside now, but inside is a, was, was a simple cave where they believe Christ was born. Can you imagine if Ben Affleck had gone to Bethlehem during their time and uh, uh, they made him stay uh, uh, in a cave? Can, can you imagine Mr. Joe Biden going over there to Bethlehem and then putting him in a cave? Or, or how about the Amazon guy, Jeff Bezos? Can, can you imagine him going over there, these powerful people? No. Every, the mayor in the town would have come out and offered him the best house in town. They would have put him up in some super nice place, but nobody did for Jesus. Now, here's where I want to get personal with it. I suggest that at some point in time later, whether it was the innkeeper or the people that have houses, they realized who Jesus was and the opportunity they missed. They... They, perhaps it was when the wise men came. Jesus was still there. These kings that were recognized as kings brought all these gifts. The shepherds came back from the fields and talked about angels. And all these people realized, I could have allowed that baby to be born in my house, but I missed the opportunity. Now, here's the application. There's so much to do any time of the year, right? <laughs> but Christmas is especially busy. I mean, there's presents to buy, there's skits to go see, and kids are performing, and there's lights to go see, and there's Christmas traditions to go feel, and there's all these things that are going on in our life to compli already complicate a busy life. And if you're like most people, all you want to do is go home in the evening and shut the door and just rest. I understand that fully. But what I'm saying is whether it's Christmas season or whether it's as we go into a new year, God will bring opportunities across our pathway now, the Christ child's not going to be born again. But what if I'm in Sam's one day, you know, just shopping, shopping along? What if God knows that someone's in there that's about to commit suicide? And what if God is looking for someone just to talk to them? Is it possible that it could be us? Is it possible that I, if I went in Sam's just to buy toilet paper, I could get out of there? You may not get the toilet paper, but you could get out of there. But it's also possible you could go in and get some toilet paper, but also have seen this person. You say, well, how would that work, Pastor? Maybe something like this. Maybe you go in Sam's and you see this person when you come in, and, and there's not a physical attraction to them, but you feel, I'll just call it some kind of burden. And the strangest thing, you see them on a couple other aisles. And as you see them, God kind of puts them on your heart that something's wrong. Well, how incredible would it be if you went to them and said, you know, I know we've seen each other a couple times in Sam's, and what I'm going to say may be a little bit strange, but the last couple times that I saw you, 
I feel like God burdened my heart for you. And I wonder if I could pray with you about anything. Can you imagine this suicidal person wondering if God exists or God cares and tears just beginning to come down their eyes? It was an opportunity that if you just ran to the toilet aisle and ran out, you could have missed. I want you to think this way as we prepare to go into a new year. Uh, listen, Christmas is still coming. Find time to read the Christmas story while we're there. There may still be an opportunity to, to care for someone that's poor or someone that's needy, to help someone that's hurting. It may be an opportunity that God could use you at Christmas to restore a family relationship that's been broken. Whatever it may be, don't miss opportunities to do something good for the kingdom of God. The shepherds, I won't take time to read everything they said, but basically, remember the shepherds in the field are watching over their flocks and, 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 and an angel appears to them and there's angels in heaven and the angel tells them to go see the baby and they come to this cave where the baby is born and you know what it said then? Then it said, and they went out and told everyone what they had seen. The greatest opportunity you and I have, friends, as we go into Christmas or a new year is to tell people about Jesus Christ. The greatest opportunity we have is to help them get to heaven, is to let them know God loves them and God has a plan for their life and God wants to forgive them if they'll turn their heart and follow him. It's called the good news. I'll tell you this story about my own life. Um, when I was 19, uh, if you looked at me on the outside, everything was great. I mean, I've got a new car. Uh, I'm on an athletic scholarship at a, at a, at a local college. I'm dating, the, I was dating the head majorette and cheerleader. Uh, I, had, uh, I had beer in my car always, and I always had something to smoke, and it was not a cigar or cigarette. You understand what I'm saying? Come on, don't be so holy. You did too, mostly. <laughs> but this was the life I was living. But yet, that summer of my 19th year, I, I felt something's missing in my life. I was raised on a farm, and my job was to cultivate the soybeans, which I went in like second gear and just slow and down these rows. And, and I would find myself doing the strangest thing. With all my friends and everything I knew, I would weep and just cry and didn't know why. But as I look back now, what, I, what was happening is God was convicting me of my sin. God was showing me of the emptiness of my life. God was showing me that true happiness was not found through education, through things that I would buy, through relationships or, or, or alcohol or anything like that. God was preparing my heart for the Savior. Well, I, I, I didn't know that was what was going on, so I just decided I would join the Navy to escape my problems. And before I went to boot camp, I'm waiting there. There's a little Gideon, and here's the point of missed opportunity. There's a Gideon that showed up, 150 fixing to be sailors, long hair, half of them still drunk from last night. But I'm listening. And he held up a little Bible with the plan of salvation and said, Jesus Christ will change your life if you give him a chance. I took that Bible, and five days later, I wrote my name in the back, and I prayed that Christ would come in my life, and I became a follower of Jesus. What would have happened to me? What would have happened if that man had stayed home during lunch? What would have happened to me if, I don't know, McAllister's is having a two-for-one lunch Christmas special sale, if you'll come during lunchtime and his wife wanted him? What would have happened to me? I was that suicidal person in Sam's. I was that young sailor whose life could be changed 
And you know what? The good news is he didn't miss his opportunity. <laughs> the good news is he, he, he shared his faith about Christ. I latched on to it. And listen, I'm standing before you today because of that man. And he took that opportunity. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to I pray with you today. Let me just remind you as we prepare to pray and have a last song here. Don't forget, there's no service this Wednesday night and there's no prayer on Friday morning. Next Saturday night, there's no service because we're having a Friday night, Christmas Eve, and then we'll have two services next Sunday. So we'll still have our regular Sunday service and a Christmas Eve on Friday. It's always very special. But I want to ask you this question before you go home. Just put the taco on hold for just another minute, okay? What did the Lord say to you as you were listening today? As we talked about Christmas through the eyes of Mary about being used by God. When we talked about purity. When we talked about being a servant. When we, when, when we talked about having faith to believe for miracles. How about the shepherds? Tell everyone. How about the innkeeper or some person that said no and they missed an opportunity? I, I, I just feel it resonates in my heart today that all of us today, we want to be like Mary, pure, serving God. We want God to use us in a special way. We want to have faith. We, we want to be like those shepherds and open our mouth. We don't want to miss an opportunity to serve the Lord. And I hope that that gets deeply inside you and when we go into a new year, it begins to bring fruit. But I want to have a special prayer just a moment for Christmas through the eyes of Joseph. Because maybe you feel like Joseph felt. What God is asking me to do is a hard thing. And maybe you're on a hard path right now. Maybe the path of your life is not filled with fun and joy, but maybe there's some difficulties in your life. You know God hadn't turned his back on you, and you may not understand why. But you want to pray that God would give you strength and grace to help you through the difficulties. I want you to bow your head just a moment so we can have a private moment with God. But I want to pray for you if you're here today and, or maybe you're watching online. You may want to stand to your feet and respond to this. But you're in a hard place. And you don't want to quit. You don't want to falter. You don't want to fall away. You need God to help you. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right now and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm in a hard place. That's it. You don't have to tell anybody. But you're responding to God now. And you're saying, Lord, look down on me as your servant and help me. If I have to wait like John the Baptist's parents waited for a long time for that baby to be born, then that's what I want to do, Lord. I want to have the courage and power to wait. I don't want to give up. I don't want to quit. But I ask you to fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Come on, lift both hands to heaven with me just a moment. Lord, would you fill us with the power of the Spirit and give us sustaining grace? Give us power to endure the difficulties, power to endure the hardship. Give us an ability to have a, a hearing ear, to know what God is saying in the midst of difficulties. And let us keep going forwards because God is with us. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. And I, I just pray a special blessing on all my friends that have come to be with us on this Christmas week celebration. And I bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's sing. We're going to sing this last song and then dismiss. Uh, I'm going to ask that our prayer team comes to the front. If you're here today and, and uh, you may find that, man, I could use some prayer right now before I go about anything. Prayer team, come on up to the front right now. And these men and women will be back here for you if you need to talk to somebody a little bit about your relationship with God or anything. We'll be delighted to talk to you. And uh, uh, also, if you're here, let me say this to you. If you are at a place in your life to where you need to start a real relationship with God, when I describe myself at 19, maybe you're feeling kind of what I used to feel. I felt like something's missing in my life. You may have money, you may have friends, you may have relationships, but something's missing, friend. I'm telling you, it was God. And I can remember for me, it was August 15, 1976. I, put a, I was in the Navy boot camp, a lot of fellows around, and I, I put a pillow on my head so nobody could hear me. But I prayed and asked God to forgive me and come in my life and be my Savior. I made a decision that day to become a follower of Jesus Christ, and it changed my life. Well, if you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, and that's the commitment that you need to make, maybe it's for the first time, or maybe you used to walk with God, but just got away. But you're wanting to renew your commitment to God and commit yourself to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to encourage you as they're singing this song, have a little courage, slip out of your chair, and come over to the cross. And someone will meet you there and pray with you as you make the greatest decision of your life. They'll pray with you, and they'll give something to help you. Don't let anything stop you. Go ahead and begin to sing. Pastor, if you need prayer, you come to the front. If you need to commit your life to Christ, we'll see you at the cross. up front. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'd love to pray for you. We're going to hang out and worship a bit longer if you'd like to hang out with us. Uh, for everybody else, you can be dismissed at this time, and we just pray that you have a blessed day today.